0: Last Sunday, I spoke to you from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and I just spoke on two words, unto us, unto us. But today I want to read the rest of the verse, and I want to uh, speak on the rest of that verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a great Christmas verse, isn't it? One of my favorite verses in the Messiah. One of the favorite courses in the Messiah is that verse being sung and declared. And I would say to you, this is uh, one of the great truths in the Bible. We live in such uncertain times. I mean, all throughout the world, there's so much uncertainty. Every day I hear about a new uh, revolution in Peru or in various other places. So much going on in the world. We wonder about all the governments of the world and uh, in our, in our own government. And we, we just struggle with that. Uh, if we get our focus on the, the nations of this world... And the instability of them, it could almost drive us to great anxiety. But this verse tells us that God has done, is doing, and will do something about all of that uncertainty. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Notice that it talks about a child. This is Mary's child, but it is God's son. So a child is born, we celebrate that at this season of the year. We think about Mary bringing forth her firstborn child and laying him in a manger. And the angels singing and the shepherds coming, later the wise men coming. That's all that we uh, focus on and celebrate this season. But it says a son is given. This was not just a child this was God's Son, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It's interesting to think that uh, somebody pointed out that here was Jesus, the only person in the world that was old, as old as his father was and older than his mother was. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? He was, he's old as his father because he existed forever with the Father in the triunity of deity but he was older than his mother and even though mary gave birth to him he existed long before he was born in bethlehem that night so a child is born and a son is given but then it says and the government shall be upon his shoulder this idea the government means the the rule of the whole world and uh I have so many people today who say, well, I just I wish we could just get Republicans back in the White House. Or some would say, I wish we could get Democrats back in control of the, of the, of the House. And I, not many people say that to me. But, uh, but, uh, but I have lots of people who say, the other way. and I say, look, uh, the solution is not in any political party. There might be certain different uh, different directions, and there definitely are different agendas, different directions that the political parties have, the different directions they would take. But really, there is no solution in, uh, in human government. They are all flawed. But there is a coming of time, there is a sense in which the government of the whole world is already on the shoulders of God. Whatever decisions are made in the in the uh, state houses around the world, the Bible says that the hand of the the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and He is sovereign and ruling over all the nations and all the affairs of men. We may not see it now, but there will come a time when we will see it in actuality and reality. The Bible tells us there's coming a time when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. We're told even later in this passage that of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And then, just as a reminder that it's going to happen, it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I I get frustrated very often with what with decisions that are made in our government, and uh, and I I'm grieved so often when I see the direction that our nation is moving, the LGBTQIA plus uh, stuff. And uh, to, to think of our, of our government officials signing a document called the Respect of Marriage Act when it actually is a redefinition of marriage, not a respect of marriage. And to, to know that, that throughout our country, uh, public libraries funded by the public are inviting drag queens in to tell stories and sing to our children. And when Christian, conservative Christians request an opportunity to come in and tell stories and sing songs, they're forbidden. They're told, no, they're, they're not allowed to do that. Yeah, and if I just let myself get focused on all the inequities and all of the sinfulness and all of the wrong that's going on in our country, I could just get depressed. But God takes verses like this and a thousand other verses and reminds me, don't look at the nations of the world. Don't look at, the, at, the, at something you can't do anything about, but look to Him And he is above it all. And he is ruling. He is reigning. And just as surely as he was in charge when Jesus was born. I just think it's so amazing that Caesar Augustus, we wouldn't even really know much about Caesar Augustus. We wouldn't talk about him at this season of the year if it hadn't been for the fact that God put it on his heart to order a census to be taken all throughout the kingdom And he did that for one purpose. It was to get a a couple living up 90 miles north of Bethlehem to go to Bethlehem where Jesus could be born and fulfill the prophecy of Micah the prophet who said that this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And God just engineering everything, moving everything around and Designing and operating as a sovereign king over all the universe. And, and that's happening right now. And uh, I just, you know, you read the Bible history, and Christian history, and you realize that God has never, ever been out of control. He is operating in control. And the government, even right now, is actually in his control. But there is coming a day when Christ himself will come to this earth and he will take immediate control over the nations of the world. And the nations will come to him in worship and service. And it says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, I think when I memorized this verse in the King James Version, it said wonderful, comma, counselor, comma. Most people tell us that that is not the right, uh, that there shouldn't be a comma between wonderful and counselor. That it's actually an adjective, wonderful counselor. But that kind of messes up what I wanted to say in my sermon this morning. Because I want to talk about how wonderful Jesus is. He is wonderful. And he is a wonderful counselor. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he is wonderful in his preexistence. He He has always existed. That is wonderful. He's wonderful in his condescension that he would leave heaven, come to this earth, and humble himself, as Philippians chapter 2 tells us, and take on the form of a servant, And being found in form as a human would humble himself even to death on a cross. That's wonderful. He's wonderful in his teachings. Even his enemies said, no man ever taught like this man. We've never heard anybody teach like he does. He was wonderful in his miracles. He said, if you won't believe me because of my word, believe me for the very work's sake that I do he was wonderful in his miracles he was wonderful in his sacrifice he was wonderful in his death he was wonderful in his resurrection and he will be marveled at the Bible says when he comes again he will be marveled at and amazed and 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 people will stand in amazement he is truly wonderful filled with wonder and amazement but he is also a wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor. probably the majority of my ministry is done in counseling and uh that's a that's a challenging thing isn't it brother John to, to be a counselor when people come to you uh, with uh, issues and they say can you can you give us counsel uh that's hard because of several reasons. Number one, I don't ever know the whole story. I only know what people reveal to me. I only know what people say. So I never know the whole story. And if it's a couple coming, the husband comes, and he tells the story, the wife comes and tells the story, and you wonder, are we talking about the same couple, you know? Sounds totally different. And so I don't ever know the the whole story. I don't ever know the motivations of the heart. I don't know the intricacies. I don't know the full past situation. And so the best I can do is just listen and pray and say, well, here's what the Bible says. And uh, sometimes people hear that counsel, take that counsel, and are helped by it. I'd say more times than not, they don't, (laughs) but uh, sometimes they do. But God, Jesus, is the wonderful counselor in that he does know the whole story. He knows the entire past. He He knows the motivations of the heart, and he knows the hidden sins that we never would confess to another counselor. The Bible says that Jesus did not commit himself to the people in that day because he knew people's hearts. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. But because of that, he can give us proper, wise, helpful, true counsel. He is the wonderful counselor. He can give us, the Bible says that God made him to be wisdom. He is eternal wisdom, and he can give us wisdom to know what to do, how to handle situations, whether it's revolve, involving uh, finances, involving family, involving uh, uh, issues of life, or relationships. He is the wonderful counselor. Now, the truth is his counsel usually goes exactly contrary to what our natural uh, inclinations are I've told many people over the years that whenever I'm faced with an issue whenever something comes up and, and I'm, I'm having to struggle to make a decision I ask two questions the first question I ask what is it that I naturally want to do what is the natural reaction that I have and then the second question what is the exact opposite of that natural reaction And when I ask those two questions, I usually get an understanding of this is what my flesh wants to do, and this is what the Spirit wants to do. And then I find that Scripture usually stands behind that second response. Because our natural inclination is to lean to our own understanding to try to figure it out ourselves and try to react to a situation. Jesus says no. The natural inclination, for instance, is if somebody commands you to go with them a mile, you go and you resent it and you're irritated. And when you've taken that last step, you throw the pack down and say, all right, I did my mile. Jesus said no. No. When you're told to carry a soldier's pack for a mile, you didn't go a second mile, which would not be the natural thing. He said, I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who do evil to you. Pray for those who mistreat you. We say, yeah, but, but that doesn't seem right. Right you know the ways of God are so much higher than our ways and there is a way that does seem right to a man but the Bible says the end of that way is the way of death and destruction so you can you can follow your own counsel you can follow your own heart you can follow your own inclinations and you end up in destruction. Or you can listen to the wonderful counselor, and he will give you wisdom to make the right choices. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your ways. But he's not only the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He not only tells us the right thing to do, he enables us to have the strength to do the right thing. This word mighty God, boy, it's a rich phrase. El Gabor is the Hebrew, and it means warrior. It means one who is strong, mighty, victorious, one who always wins. Jesus is not only our wonderful counselor, he is our mighty God. He is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we're able to ask or even think. He is our mighty God. He's our everlasting God. Father, everlasting Father. It's one thing to think of God as uh, the way the Muslims think of Allah. They think of Him as, they call Him merciful, but only merciful in the sense that He, if He's in a good mood, He doesn't give you everything that you deserve but they never call him father. In fact, they, they as far as I know, there are no, there's no other religious uh, faith in the world that addresses God as a father. They usually think of him as judge or as lawgiver, but not the heart of a father. But our God loves us and calls us his children. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Boy, this world longs for peace, doesn't it? We want peace. I want peace. But peace comes only when the prince of peace is in control. God gives us peace in three ways. One, peace with him. Peace with him. The Bible teaches that we are actually enemies of God. By nature, by our natural birth, by our humanity, we are enemies of God. And we could never, ever make ourselves right with God. But Jesus came in order that he might break down the the wall, that he might take all of our sins and nail them to the cross and thus making peace. He is our peace, but not only peace with God, but the peace of God that reigns in our heart, peace that settles us down, peace that causes us to rest in him and to know he is in charge it's not a perfect illustration because it's flawed in one way but there was a little girl who was on a train the train was getting out of control and it was going too fast and and the people on the train were panicking and everybody was scared except one little girl nine-year-old girl she was just so relaxed she was just And a woman came to her and said, Honey, do you not realize that this train is going too fast? It's out of control. Why aren't you scared? And she said, Because my daddy is the engineer. And he knows that his little girl's on this train. He's not going to let anything happen. Now, obviously, that could be a flawed illustration that the daddy didn't know how to stop. But I tell you, our father knows how to stop the train and he is in control and he knows that no matter how out of control this world seems to be he knows his children are on board and he is not going to let it crash and so peace with God the peace of God and then peace from God in relationships i have some relationships in my life that i want peace in that i don't have peace in right now because the bible says as much as it's possible as much as it lies within you be at peace with all men there are some people that i can't be at peace with right now because it's 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 not dependent on me totally but i want peace with people and I pray that even at this Christmas time, there might be reconciliation, that there might be a sense of coming together, settling differences, and finding peace among relationships that are strained or broken. And that's the work of the Prince of Peace as well. So peace with God, the peace of God, and then God's peace in relationships. That's what I pray for at this Christmas time. But we're going to uh, sing a song of invitation, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But uh, if you need to come this morning and know Jesus as the Son who was given, the child that was born, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, then you come as we sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you now to help us set our attention and focus on the Savior who died for our sins, who was buried and who rose again. And I pray that as we do that, that our hearts will be made to remember with affection and with worship the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in His name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.